Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumb Cast. In this, the high noon of season five, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every goddamn page of MT2, the Weird Weird West, the second in a trio of time travel adventures for TSR's Marvel Superheroes RPG. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Weird Weird West was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Today we're discussing page 35 of The Weird Weird West. This is chapter 20, entitled Great Alexander, and this is our introduction to Alexander the Great. As you recall, after the Secret Zoomers delivered a much-needed power generator to Einstein, they decided to join up with the gunslingers, divide labor, and go visit all of the general's various camps to try to form an alliance against the Crozar. Unlike the Misfits, who logically would have wanted to do two mashup teams so that both teams could have horses and Dr. Jaw and Glass Cannon could hopefully avoid heat stroke. The secret zoomers are going to keep things separate. They're going to send the gunslingers to go negotiate with Genghis Khan, then ride over and negotiate with Napoleon, then finally join them in Alexander's camp. Meanwhile, the secret zoomers are going to negotiate with Alexander, the closest camp, and check on something else. Because you'll recall that one of the members of the team, Trupa, noticed that an overland trip to a known destination was definitely shorter than it should have been. So Trupa is developing a hypothesis and wants to check on it. And that's best done over on this side of the map for reasons that will soon become apparent. Anyway, the upshot of all this is the secret Zoomers, all four of them, are headed to Alexander's camp. And here's the box text. Quote, Alexander's camp consists of one large tent with 25 smaller tents surrounding it in a circle. You notice hundreds of Greek soldiers and courtiers walking in and out of the compound. It looks almost impossible to stealthily sneak in. And, spoilers, it is. But at least we were warned this time, so... My resentment level right now is at like a manageable 8 out of 10. Like the Misfits over in Genghis Khan's camp, the Secret Zoomers are going to have to figure out how to get into this camp to see Alexander. And they were warned by the helpful box text that stealth is going to be just about impossible. The same options are available to get into Alexander's camp as were available at Genghis Khan's camp. Punking out a couple of soldiers far from camp, stealing their uniforms and sneaking inside that way, just walking straight in and asking to talk to the leader, or sneaking in and being immediately and unavoidably captured. However, there's one more option. There was back at Genghis Khan's camp too, we just didn't have occasion to talk about it. Quote, use powers. The heroes might have some power or ability which will allow them to walk into Alexander's tent unchallenged and unmolested. Invisibility, etc. In this way, they can easily reach Alexander. I do appreciate this note. This happens a little bit throughout this book. I feel like maybe the author learned his lesson from putting the vision in all this in World War II. That book was absolutely full of passages like, there's no way for the players to escape this. Nothing can happen now except blah, blah, blah. And I was continually yelling at the book, like, what about vision? He can walk through walls. Here, at least the author tacked onto the end, like, option number four, your character has some crazy ass power so that none of this is a challenge and they just do whatever the fuck they want. That is valid. And that's all I wanted. I just wanted the validation. In this instance, the secret zoomers actually have a pretty good chance to sneak in using powers if Extra is willing to wait outside. I'm sure she'll pout, but that's fine. Trupa can burrow under the earth and come up where Alexander is. Short Out can shrink to three inches tall, which I think is short enough that even these Greek hoplites who are immune to stealth would find it a challenge to spot him. And if not, then Short Out can just go in somebody else's pocket. And Slime Time can realistically shapeshift himself into the appearance of someone that his slime has touched, so he doesn't even need to steal the clothing of a hoplite. All he has to do is go up, have a quick chat. Hey, I love slime. Do you love slime? Here, touch some. Isn't that fun and momentarily incapacitating? Then walk away, 
use the slime to turn himself into a duplicate of that hoplite, walk right into camp. So between a perfect disguise, burrowing into the camp, and walking in at only three inches tall, I think we're going to have no problem sneaking right up on Alexander, at which point the plan is we will say, we snuck in to see you, aren't we clever? We don't mean you any harm, we came because we'd like you to consider an alliance with Genghis Khan and Napoleon. Please, please, please don't sick 75 guys on us and put us in handcuffs. This adventure is taking long enough as it is. Fortunately, this will probably work. It says here that, quote, Alexander is much more amiable than either Napoleon or Genghis Khan and is more accessible than the others. When we roll up on him and say, hi, we're weirdos, listen to our pitch, he says in box text, welcome, my friends. Your bravado is most impressive. Pray tell, what land are you from? This is going well. Genghis Khan would already be screaming the word strength in our faces and covering us with spit by this stage. This is great. Just as with Khan, if we explain what's going on with the Crozar, we get a diplomacy point. If we suggest that if we can hold off the Crozar, we can get everybody back to their proper place in time, we get another diplomacy point. It is then that things diverge, because unlike the barbaric Mongols and the barbaric French, the Greeks have culture. Quote, as the heroes enter Alexander's tent, they catch sight of a number of scholars standing on the edge of Alexander's war room. When Alexander notices the heroes looking at the scholars, he says, Ah, you take a fancy to my scholars, do you? They are poets. Right now they are composing on the subject of trees. I like nothing better than a good poem. Appreciation of poetry is the true mark of the soldier. I've always found that one who has a heart tuned to beauty has a head tuned to war. And then presumably he raises his eyebrow at you like, yeah, I know what parallelism is. Ever heard of Aristotle? He used to babysit me. So this is our cue, just as with Genghis Khan talking about strength, strength, strength. Alexander is talking about poetry. He loves poetry so much that in his war room, while he's trying to get work done, he just likes to keep some poets scattered around, like houseplants. You three, you do poetry. I want two of you on that wall, one of you on that wall. One of you get up on that shelf. It looks kind of bare right now. And I want all of you writing poems about trees. That's the vision of poetry here. That is the TSR ass version of high culture that we're going to get here in the Greek camp. You know he's smart because there are 1d6 poets lining the walls. Anyway, if our heroes are able to pick up what Alexander is putting down, they're going to realize the way to this man's heart is through poetry. Quote, clever players might take this opportunity to score quick points with Alexander by appreciating the poetry of the scholars or composing some quick poetry of their own. In either case, Alexander responds enthusiastically, even if the heroes are his prisoners. To successfully appreciate the poetry of the scholars and impress Alexander, one of the heroes must pass a reason feat with an intensity equal to Alexander's own reason. First of all, charmingly mechanical, like press X to appreciate poetry. Secondly, why are you making me flip all the way back in the book to look up Alexander's reason when it doesn't change? Couldn't you just tell me what the intensity of this role is? You wouldn't stop assigning things intensities all through this book. Now you're being coy. So, okay, we got to turn back to Alexander's stat block. We're on page 35 now. We'll go all the way back to page 6 and look up Alexander's reason. He has a reason of excellent. The good news is we've got some decent reason scores on this team. I assume that now that we're buddy-buddy with Alexander, we asked him if Extra could come in, since she's the only one of us who didn't have powers, so that she could sneak in undetected. She's got excellent reason. Short Out's got remarkable reason. Troopa has incredible reason. And Slime Time is a very nice boy. So putting our heads together, I think we can manage to appreciate some poetry. Notably, this is unusual. Uh, we happen to be dealing with a super team full of smarty pants, Generation Z know-it-alls. And I mean that affectionately. Good for them, knowing it all. I don't know shit, and I can't recommend it. We happen to have a very bright and sensitive team here. The West Coast Avengers, for example, if you put them through this scene, 
I, I wouldn't bet on any of them being able to appreciate these tree poems. This is some classy shit. This is not for the likes of a Clint Barton or a The Vision. Now, if appreciating Alexander's poetry is not enough for you, if you're really trying to speedrun this diplomatic situation, quote, if the heroes decide to compose a poem of their own, have the players sit down and write out 10 lines with these restrictions. Each line must have seven syllables, and every other line must rhyme. Now, it doesn't specify, but presumably, because we're having a tree poem party, this has to be a poem about trees. Let me just bang one of these out. Let me see. Ten lines, seven syllables each, every other line rhymes. All right, the tree theme got away from me, but it is about nature. How's this? When trees grow beside the roads in a fancy neighborhood, I've just got to write them odes. Trees are great, and trees are good. I appreciate them loads. Trees must die to make our wood, for strong homes to keep out toads. I hate toads, and toads aren't good. They can't burn down our abodes, but they'd do it if they could. So, just a little something I tossed off. I am, of course, a student of literature, and uh, I think I'm going to have no trouble impressing my buddy Alex with my learning. Let's see what happens uh, after you complete your poem. Quote, If the players are able to meet these restrictions in a reasonable period of time, Alexander will be quite tickled with their efforts. It's a very charitable response. Thank you, Alexander. Quote, If the heroes were able to properly appreciate the poetry of the scholars or compose a poem of their own, they pick up a diplomacy point toward Alexander. If the heroes successfully write or appreciate the poetry, Alexander will recognize them as men and women of learning and begin a philosophical conversation which lasts approximately one hour. All right, I'm into it. I'll have a philosophical conversation with Alexander the Great, and I'm also going to try to break him of this binary men and women thing. This motherfucker knows about Tiresias. He's read Sophocles. He should know better. We can have a talk about that. Quote, if at the end of this hour, any of the heroes are able to pass a reason feat roll with an intensity equal to Alexander's own reason, which is excellent. Why won't you say excellent? Quote, they impress the Greek leader with their wisdom and pick up another diplomacy point. So it's not totally clear from the text whether you get a diplomacy point for appreciating the poetry and another diplomacy point for writing poetry, or if you get one point if you do either of those things, but it's still just a total of one point. Regardless, writing poetry at the table is good fun. This may be my bias showing, because it's like, give me a piece of paper with numbers on it. I'm like, ah, fuck you, I came here to role play. And then tell me to write a poem, though, and I'm like, hmm, intriguing. But I do think, objectively, this is a better idea, because you can do it in character. You can write a poem about what your character would care about. You can have an in-character conversation about who's going to write this poem. You can give an in-character reaction to another character's poem. You can have a little chat about what each of your characters thinks about trees. Who knows, maybe one of the player characters is Thor. His brother got turned into a tree one time. My point is, this is fun for the players, but it's also a thing that the characters do, so I approve. But I have to say, the dumbest thing on this page is just like the attempt to express that Alexander is the sophisticated one. He has poets just strewn about in the middle of a survival situation, just standing around, leaning on the wall, writing poems about trees. He identifies you as a fellow sophisticate if you're able to produce 10 lines of no particular stress pattern. He's just into anybody who writes a poem. It's very much the same vibe as uh, that romantic comedy, um, They Came Together with Amy Poehler and Paul Rudd, where the two romantic leads are like bonding in the bookstore, and they find out that they both read fiction, and she's like, you like fiction books? That's like my comrade, my brother in arms. You too have done a poem. And then the final hurdle 
in the High Culture Olympics is once Alexander has identified you as an intellectual like himself, uh, then he engages you in an hour of pass-fail philosophizing. The reason feat for which I assume is less about philosophical sophistication than about having the historical acumen to realize that any new philosophical idea, when introduced, will be loathed for decades, so you should really stick to the classics with Alexander. Just Aristotle, Plato, maybe throw in a little Diogenes. Alexander's got a little crush on Diogenes. Everybody knows it. No shame in exploiting that. But yeah, like this this whole thing, it's, it's silly. And of course it is, because there's nothing in this game, system-wise or content-wise, tone, none of this supports anything like an intellectual encounter or an encounter with culture. You have to do the silly cartoon version of it. And I'm so glad that they did that rather than just making this something boring. Like, I lost that nice sweater that Aristotle gave me. Go find it and I shall be your friend forever. This is much better than that. Dumb in a good way. Speaking of dumb in a good way, join me next time for about the most goofy Silver Age shit I have ever seen in a role-playing module on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This episode's music includes Western Firefight 2 by Kulla, whose work you can find at Kulla.com, that's C-U-L-L-A-H.com, and Atermon by Brooding Side of Madness from the album An Appreciation. You can find this song at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash brooding side of madness slash an underscore appreciation slash 14 underscore Atermon. That's A-T-E-R-M-O-N. This episode is released under a Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. Thanks for listening. This didn't belong in the main episode, but today I just have to give a, a rare post-credits dumb thing. The poetic format prescribed in this scene is just the shits. Like, not heptameter, but just seven syllables, unmetered, and the rhyme scheme. My god. It says every other line must rhyme, which could be interpreted to be like... AX, 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 which would be bad enough. But if you were to interpret it literally, that every line must rhyme with every other line. So the rhyme scheme ends up being AB, 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 AB. That's horrible. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. I know there are people on the internet, at least one person, confirmed writing poetry in this form. I'm sorry. It sucks. It's awful. What a tedious, tedious form in English. I mean, it's a relatively rhyme poor language. You don't want to stick with A, B over 10 lines. It doesn't matter what kind of content you put into that form. It's going to sound like an overlong joke with no punchline. So I took the liberty of, of rewriting my poem for a different form. Still 10 lines, but it's split into three stanzas so that the rhyme scheme goes like A, B, A, C, D, C, D, B, A, B. So that in each stanza, every other line rhymes. But the scheme is inverted from the first three-line stanza to the second, which is just a little more artistic, a little more... Here, I'll just, I'll read it. I wrote it, so it's got to be on the podcast. Here you go. I love trees from dusk till dawn. I don't think they're just a fad. They're good things to write poems on. Trees are great and trees are good. I appreciate them loads. Trees must die to make our wood. For strong homes to keep out toads. I hate toads and toads are bad. Books by baby toads go on shelf P for poles, comma, tad. Still an extremely bad poem, but more of a flex, I think you'll agree.